Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and this is your oasis for strengthening your mental and emotional fitness, no matter what life tosses your way. I am so excited you're here. Just like you, I wear many hats. I'm a former dentist turned author and serial entrepreneur, currently a mom of two, and a recovering perfectionist. Every week, we'll navigate brave conversations to support your evolution at every season and stage of your life. Raw and unfiltered, we'll explore all the feels as we unpack life's unpredictable moments, from the playful to the painful, the magical and the messy, and everything in between this epic human experience. You ready? Let's dive in. Hello, friends. What is your relationship with food? What is your relationship with dieting? And what is your relationship with optimal health? Now, I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and welcome. If this is your first time, this is your oasis, your destination to be just a little bit more brave. Brave in your questions, your actions, your relationships, and in your conversations. And this is going to be a very power-packed episode. I am actually recording here now in Los Angeles, and I was able to meet with some incredible stellar people that I wanted to bring to the table to have some real conversations because I don't know about you, but growing up, my relationship with food was it was either good or bad. There were good foods to eat and bad foods to eat. And you know, I spent a lot of my you know, upbringing on not just going through the losses of my parents and brother, but also figuring out what was it for me that was going to make me feel healthy and be healthy. And that was literally health became then one of my driving values. And today I sit with one of my dearest, dearest girlfriends. Our families go on trips together and it is the one and only Mona Sharma. She is a celebrity, not just nutritionist, but she's also a dynamic leader and entrepreneur in the health and wellness industry. And she works with high profile clients such as Will Smith, Julianne Huff, Rithik Roshan, Jay Shetty, to name a few. And she is a nutritionist and also master NLP practitioner. She also focuses on healing by looking at all pillars of health, combining modern science with the power of ancient rituals rooted in one's nature for optimal health of life. Now, Mona has been seen on the Today Show, The Doctor's Television, and Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett, sharing her expertise. Having grown up living in an ashram, Mona has seen firsthand the healing power of food and mindfulness. Her approach is rooted in this philosophy, food as medicine, movement as therapy, and mindfulness as the journey to optimize your health. Mona's philosophy led her to recovery from not just one, but two heart surgeries in her 20s, miscarriages, two of them, and debilitating anxiety and ultimately changed her career path from a high-profile corporate job. Mona is also the founder of Hikama, one of the go-to drinks. It is also incredible as a prebiotic drink, and we literally have it at our household at all of our events. And it's now, you can purchase it anywhere. Beverages are sold online. You can go to hikama.com. That's X-I-C-A-M-A. And it's an innovative line of food and functional beverage products that deliver gut health and immune-boosting benefits of the superfood of Hikama. 
and it broke sales records as an official beverage of Coachella in 2019. Now, in today's episode, we dive into Mona's incredible journey and in her journey of having heart disease and then her journey healing through having a heart condition as well as looking at the realness and the real talk around the medical system what is broken and what are we not asking ourselves and we also get into why diets are not the answer and they should actually be banned and why has that been such a point of contention in our wellness world and in the wellness space? And we also talk about how is it that we can begin to look at our emotions as a segue to ultimate healing and so much more. And I know you are going to get so much value out of this episode. This is definitely one Mona gets into a lot of the ways and the strategies to help fuel you in the season of your life. So let's get into it today with the one and only Mona Sharma on The Brave Table. Hello, love. Hi, babe. We're here. Finally here. We're doing it. <laughs> How have you been? Really good. Missing my soul sister. I know. Anyway. I know. It's different being back here in LA this time around because now our families are together. Yeah, but I think it's um, it's more of that feeling of being able to go deep with somebody you know really well despite where you are. So, And I feel like we've been able to do that or keep that up. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff has happened in the past four years of knowing each other. <laughs> of knowing each other. Babies, businesses. Babies, businesses. Relationships. And relationships. Growth. Ugh. Moves. So many things. Yeah. And I feel like we've been on the same trajectory. So let's, for our audience who may not know all the things I know, and I feel like even for, you know, I've known your story and... I've known bits and pieces, but I feel like what I love and what's so fascinating about your story is that there has been parts and themes of reinvention. And I love that so much when we're talking about being brave to do new things. So I think let's just start there. Tell us mm. how Mona Sharma, celebrity, coach, nutritionist, wellness, healer, serial entrepreneur, how did she get to where she is today? Let's go on that journey. First of all, I love that word reinvention. I've never really applied it to myself, but gosh, it just feels so good. On this journey of reinvention, I feel like I'm such a late bloomer. I don't think I bloomed yet. You think you're a late bloomer, really? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So to tell you my story, my life looked very different before the world of wellness. So I used to work as an astronaut sales trainer for big cosmetic brands like Christian Dior and Tom Ford Beauty and Bobby Brown and stuff like that. Not being a dentist or an Indian to an Indian father, I had to hustle to make it to the top of a corporation and this just seemed like the most fun. And it was fun for a certain period of time, but at the end of the day, it was a typical sales job. Traveling a lot, all about the numbers, waking up in hotel rooms, not knowing what city I was in, eating, drinking, smoking, women on laxatives to counteract the food things, like all these bad behaviors. And once the excitement kind of faded, I just realized there's a lot of anxiety and stress like crippling anxiety. But I think that that stemmed from living inauthentically and out of alignment with my purpose. Mm. And let me ask you a question about the anxiety because yeah. did you know that it was anxiety at the time? Not or at all. And when did you actually start to recognize that, 
oh, actually the thing that I'm feeling is actually anxious thoughts or being anxious in my body. So since I was 18 years old, I'd suffered from heart palpitations. And doctors, they never asked about my lifestyle, my happiness, my sense of purpose or relationships, what was happening emotionally in my life. It was all, you know, what are you eating? Uh, it's probably biological. So I really kind of swallowed that pill. And I was put on beta blockers for my heart palpitations. Early on. Early on. I like as a teenager. As a teenager, yeah. Moving into my early 20s. Gained a lot of weight on those. I was about 40 pounds heavier. Stop. Yeah. Doctors then were like, you know what, Mona? Let's just, we'll put you in for, for surgery. Two ablations. So first surgery, they went in. You're Wait. awake for the entire thing. It's heart surgery. Heart surgery. You're awake, watching your heart on a massive screen, cords oh and wires going everywhere. They're injecting you with adrenaline, different stimulants to induce these palpitations that I knew would only happen if I was standing or moving around or bending down to get something. Uh, sure enough, they ended up doing two ablations in that surgery, but the next morning in the hospital, I woke up with the palpitations again. <gasps> oh my gosh. So at that point, I was in my early 20s working corporate and I just thought, well, screw it. This is me. I have a heart condition. I labeled myself as somebody who was sick, having a heart condition. So you said, I have a heart condition at 20. Yeah, I had to declare it. Uh-huh. Now I had to check the box, having heart surgeries and stuff like that. So I really kind of adopted this mentality that I was sick. When I was 24, I had my second surgery and same procedure. We were in there for hours. The doctors were, they actually, I'll never forget this. They asked, Mona, God, why are you crying? I was crying for hours. It's like, I don't know. I'm looking at my heart. I'm 24 years old. You guys are trying to find this thing to do the ablation. I'm getting off of medication. Like, ah, what has happened to my life? Mm-hmm. And they finally found where this extra electrical node is what they call it. And they said, well, you know what? If we go through with this ablation, you might have to wear a pacemaker for the rest of your life. Oh my goodness. And in that moment, it was like just one of those moments where the world stopped and I asked myself, what the hell am I doing here? This is not my life. This is not my story. This is not my purpose. And I knew that I needed to heal. And with the support of my partner, who's now my husband, I threw in the towel in the corporate world. The irony of all of this is that I grew up living summers on an ashram. Mm. So for those of you who don't know, ashrams are spiritual centers where you go and you practice yoga, meditation, breath work. You're living in community. You're connected to nature every single day. You're connected to finding your purpose. You're shutting down the noise in your mind and finding equilibrium and your sense of value as a unique human being. So I had that as an upbringing. Clearly I had to throw that into the garbage in my twenties and go and like party and live fashion. (laughs) (laughs) Live fashion, but yet on the weekends or in the summers, you would actually go back to this ashram. Yeah. And was this sparked by your dad? Because your dad's Indian. This was sparked by my dad. So my dad was Indian, but it was actually my mom who's Danish who found the ashram. So it was this kind of unique synergy where she needed it because she's only ever suffered from debilitating rheumatoid arthritis. I've only ever known my mom to be crippled. And my father, for the sense of spirituality, both of them were immigrants and he had a big disconnection from Hinduism and a lot of spiritual practices. So it was living at the ashram that I saw the power of food and nature and mindfulness and yoga and meditation, one on my mom's disease, but two on my father's spirit and the sense of joy that I gave him. Wow. And I think that being introduced to that as a child, clearly there was imprinting that happened, Mm. but my dad was waking me up, you know, tapping me on the shoulder at five o'clock in the morning to go and meditate. So it also felt like torture as a little kid when all the other kids were going to camp and doing fun things. I had to go and sit in satsang with my eyes closed for 30 minutes 
dance and not move. So, oh my goodness. The irony is that everything that brought me to my own healing journey was going back to the ashram, mm. quit the corporate world, went, became a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher, not knowing that I was going to use it professionally. And let me stop you right there. So, yeah. at what point of that, when you quit your job and you're then thinking, what am I going to do with my life? Like, how did the inspiration to go to yoga teacher training, how did that come to The to sensation life? that it felt like was just that I had to go home. Mm-hmm. So typically growing up, my parents ended up divorcing, but through the stressors growing up, my instinct was always to run. I had to go travel, take off. I traveled so many places, but to run away from my problems. And for me, the feeling of going to the ashram felt like I was going home or to this idea of like source energy and healing. And I knew that I felt good there. And the center, you know, it was in the Bahamas. I was on the ocean. I lived there for two months. I was given a spiritual name. And so I feel like that ultimately just brought me back to who I was, Mm. this version of myself that I kind of veered off track. I was trying to pursue success and glamour, what other people thought that I should be doing and chasing the dollar sign. I made the six figures and did all the things, but it wasn't enough. Like I was really suffering. And internally. Sure enough, internally. And sure enough, it wasn't until I went back to my roots and started teaching yoga that my father even said that he was proud of me. It's wild. So, right? so it, it wasn't all the accolades. It wasn't all the things that you like had to check off the boxes. It was me honoring my spirit mm. and going and preaching that out into the world. And even the act of becoming a yoga teacher came through this like divine intervention of one of my previous cosmetic clients, uh, her husband overhearing that, oh, you teach yoga? Oh, I've wanted to try yoga. You should come teach me. And he was my first longtime CEO corporate private yoga client that was like the trajectory to my wellness career launching. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. And then from there, I recognized that food obviously was a big part uh, Mm -hmm. of all of this. And when I was sick, I was on a diet. Oh gosh. So I knew that I needed the training or the confidence to really understand this idea of food as medicine and how I could then take that into a program out to the world. Because there's so many gems that are coming up here. So at that point, when you're also teaching yoga to now your very first private CEO client, Mm -hmm. were you still kind of grappling with trying to get that validation from your father? Or was that the kind of spark that was like, okay, I don't have to do that anymore? Definitely the spark. I didn't have to do that anymore, but it was my own inner conscience. I think that I just... I knew the drive. I knew the feeling of setting a goal and going after it. I was one of the youngest people in my role in the cosmetic world. And I love that. And I wanted to seek spiritual wealth. And I wasn't sure how to get there, but I knew that that was the first step. It was opening doors. And as they say, you know, when you say yes to the things that feel good to your soul, that's when synchronicity happens. That's when opportunities come to you without even trying. And the more that I've leaned in now as an adult to trust my intuition, that's when the magic in my life has always happened. Mm. And I love what you just said about spiritual wealth. What do you coin that as? And how does one seek spiritual wealth or know that they don't have it? I think that we are living in a world where we're seeking financial wealth. Having worked in the luxury world, and you know, it's no surprise, we, especially now with the clients that I work with, who will actively say, you know, 
the money doesn't bring happiness. The cars, the accolades, the houses, the everything does not bring an inner sense of joy. The only thing that will allow you to feel that is you pursuing your own joy and happiness. And I think that that's unique to all of us. And while money obviously affords you a lot of privileges, I think that if you are seeking your own spiritual happiness, it opens you up to a greater life of fulfillment than Mm. anything else. Mm. Yeah. And I think that you're only able to understand the other side if you've experienced the contrast of that. Absolutely. So it seems like a lot of the celebrity clients that you work with, you know, it was easy to kind of attain all of these like material possessions, even you working in luxury, you've experienced all of that, but then to now experience the other side, that's the beauty and that's where the contrast lies. And I can share even just in my own light of you know, having all the trappings of success as a young dentist, Mm -hmm. thinking that, oh, I've reached the pinnacle, I've reached the top of this mountain, what else is there? But then you're actually asking a deeper question of, yeah, but why is that not enough yet then? Absolutely. Yeah. And you and I, I think it's also the, the training of our society, right? We're taught and trained how to search more, get more, do more, become more, bigger is better. But I think that you and I in our journeys, when we have sought that personal happiness, that's where the fulfillment has really arisen, right? But it's scary. It's something that I don't think we talk about enough in our society, especially as women, Mm -hmm. especially as mothers, when we now are caregivers to these little human beings and for people who are starting another journey or a different path later in life, there's no support there. Right? right? It's really terrifying to like branch out and, you know, just trust your gut on that. All right, fam. I just wanted to pop in and the holidays are here. And guess what? The official That Sucked Now What shop is open. I have the absolute perfect gift for you for the holidays. Grab my That Sucked Now What conversation cards. They are 44 prompts to help you build your resilience and bridge that connection. Maybe when seeing family or going deeper with friends or just building connection with yourself, or maybe it's a new love that you got acquainted with. And not to mention, you can get your hands on my super juicy 52 card deck affirmation cards. This is to use after those sucky moments, and it comes with action steps as well. And even your own That Suck Now What gold beautifully stamped journal to write out what happens after your suck or when you're actually in the suck or your personalized That Sucked Now What hats. They come in white. You've probably seen them on my website, on IG. You can definitely check out all the merch and more at thatsuckednowwhat.com forward slash shop. That is thatsucknowwhat.com forward slash shop and use Brave, B-R-A-V-E, to unlock your 12-month self-care calendar for free with your book bundle purchase. I'm so excited. So go ahead, check it out at thatsucknowwhat.com forward slash shop with checkout code BRAVE. And now back to the show. And I kind of want to get into our next chapter of conversation because it segues into then you really being this dimensional force for some big celebrities that we all know and in you entering the phase of motherhood. So take us through what was happening on this exterior of really now jump shooting your career as this mainstream celebrity coach 
while also navigating the complexities <laughs> of two small babies. Well, it's so interesting. So the way that I describe it, especially now, don't you feel like 40s brings a lot more wisdom. Oh my gosh, so much. And you're so chock full of it because just your aura and your essence, for those of you watching us here at this incredible studio that we are in in Hollywood in Los Angeles, and your aura is just calm. And she has a sense of serenity. It's like you have this glow around you, but you can feel it. And I'm sure many of you who are hearing this can actually hear it. But continue. It's so funny that you, you say that. It's not an uncommon a realization that people give me. Yes. But I, I will say that when I have been at my most stressed, at my sickest, at my most unhappy, at my most feelings of being lost, it's when I'm living too much in my masculine. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in order to be successful, we are trained as women to live in your masculine, do whatever it takes, step up, be firm, swallow everything else, right? But I would say that the greatest joy that came from becoming a mother, especially after having two miscarriages, which was incredibly challenging, is... Wow. You had two in between or before uh, Elijah? I miscarried twins before Elijah. What? Yeah. I miscarried twins. Oh my Okay. I'll gosh. start with that. So I miscarried twins. I carried two nine weeks, flew home to Canada to tell my brother, who also has twins, that I was pregnant went for an ultrasound that morning and there was no heartbeat. Oh. And the doctors Sorry. didn't tell me that I needed a DNC. My husband was traveling for work. I flew back to LA and it was like four weeks later, he got home on a Sunday night and on the Monday morning actually went into labor at home. Oh my gosh, at home. And had to pass two little fetuses. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So because of that, Another area that women don't talk enough about, I really went into victim mode and self-blame. It's my fault. It's probably from my heart. It's from me being sick, years of being on medication, blame, 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 until I worked with like some incredible energy workers and I realized, oh my God, like I need to love myself. And getting pregnant with my son was the ultimate act of self-love, which I feel like was me leaning into my divine feminine more than I'd ever done before. Mm. And what did that look like for you, leaning into the divine feminine? Having affirmations of love for myself and for my body, creating rituals that were rituals of self-love for my mind, my body, and my spirit every single day. So it was essentially, and I talk a lot about this with my clients, but never really practice it myself, was moving myself to the number one position on my to-do list. Mm. And instead of feeling like that was selfish or a reason for me to not achieve my goals, it was actually the reason and the cause for me achieving my goals. Right. Is that self-love please? Is that self-love please and selflessness, right? Towards yourself. And I had the most incredible pregnancy. And that is around the time that opportunities started coming up in my life, working with greater clients in, in Los Angeles, but also like deeper fulfillment. And I would say that the messaging that really came out at that time was my healing journey at the ashram. It wasn't about the diet or the exercise program. And meanwhile, living in today's world, if we want to get healthy, if we want to look a certain way, if we want to try to fit into a dress, what's the first thing that we do? Diet and exercise, yeah. right? It doesn't work. Mm. Like there needs to be an end of dieting completely. Mm. What happened at the ashram, and it could have been anywhere, was the environment shifted. There was a shift in my vibration. I went from being somebody who was in this low vibrational state of stress, anxiety, and worry, and tension, and fear. And through the daily practices, and ultimately they are acts of self-love, right? Eating well, 
living in community, being connected to nature, practicing breath work and yoga, clearing negative energy from the body, that over time allowed me to wake up every day in this vibrational energy of feeling happy in the Mm. morning and joyful and at peace with who I was in this world and who I am and my message, my sole purpose. So that shift in vibrational state is something that I coach a lot of my clients on because they will hire me for the same reasons, getting a six pack, doing a headstand or a handstand, fitting into a dress, losing the weight. So that's the first initial thing that they would come to you for. You got it. That their agents will say, all right, Mona's the best at X, Y, and Z, but they don't realize what you're really giving them. And then it quickly shifts to them staying with me Mm. because I help them get to a path of recognizing that their perfect diet their perfect meal plan, their perfect healing protocol is as unique as their thumbprint. Mm. Not one person in the world should have the same healing protocol because it really depends on you, your needs, your specific biology, your upbringing, your pain, your trauma, your belief system, your inner dialogue, right? Your genetics. So I really use these pieces from the ashram and I combine them with modern day science. Mm. But yeah, I think that living in my divine femininity is just embracing those protocols that aren't the fast fix right, <gasps> or the band-aid solution or things that are like, you know, A plus B equals C. It's like honoring, no, 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 this is a journey. This is going to take time. How can I feel better in my skin today? What does my mind need? Listening to the messages that your body is sending you every single day, whether it's a headache bloating, pain, poor sleep, irritability, the list goes on and on. The anxiety. The anxiety. Those symptoms are messengers from your body, Mm -hmm. right? And I'll always say like, don't ignore the symptoms. If you ignore the symptoms, they're eventually going to turn into screams Mm -hmm. one day as they did for me. As they did for you, the palpitations. I'm just like imagining you at 20 years old and like my, my hand just went over my heart because it's kind of like, oh my gosh, you intuitively had to know something was totally not right. But then you're yeah. trusting, God bless our doctors. I mean, but they only know what they know and they're yes. clinically trained at, which is yeah. amazing. But there's this whole other side of it that, you know, hasn't been in, you know, a lot of these studies for whatever reason, but there's this whole other side of the emotional health and some of the other questions that's not being asked. And, you know, to your point of, I totally resonate with everyone has their own little, you know, blueprint and their Mm -hmm. thumbprint. Mm -hmm. Because I remember in my twenties, I was so fixed on, I'm not going to get the sickness, you know, that my parents had. You know, I'm not going to get the cancers, no medical ailments, which which was my driving force to yeah. then work out like crazy. I would work out twice a day sometimes, but every single day, sign up for all of these like extreme, in my opinion, sports, you know, like marathons and, and triathlons, which were great to yeah. a point, you know, biking a hundred miles. But I think the intention was, I don't want to see what my parents saw in the ICU rooms. Yet I think I had to come up with a different level of the reconciliation Mm. process for myself to integrate. What does that actually mean? Does that mean that, okay, I'm going to punish myself after I have some ice cream or some sweets? Am I not allowed sweets? So I had to redefine. And for those of you listening to this conversation thinking, you know, I feel like I've done everything. I don't know. I, you know, what, what do you talk about with this emotional mm-hmm. health? Why is that important to losing weight? Well, it's because the belief systems that we have, for me, it was, 
okay, I'm going to punish myself if I don't work out the next day, if I'm going to have a really big meal. Yeah. Versus, and, and this has happened after children, mm-hmm. thank God for them, but that is a spiritual practice. And I yeah. so resonate with that like divine feminine discussion. Yeah. And for girls, how we're defining food, like with my daughter now, I'm just so aware, like just really not giving her the impression that there's good food or bad food, but there's food that's going to nourish you and food that isn't. And the food that doesn't nourish you, it's okay to indulge. Like we are human beings. We're meant to indulge in these beautiful things that exist. However, are you doing it from a place of nourishment or not? Mm -hmm. And I think that with our generation, you know, food was good or bad. And often it was a form of self-punishment. Right. right? Um, being Indian also, right? Food if you're happy, food if you're sad, <laughs> food if you're celebrating, for most cultures. <laughs> right. And, food, uh, food for everything. Food for everything. But to your point though, yeah, I think that our medical system is definitely broken. Don't get me wrong. The doctors that came into my life, God bless them. They are trained to take away a problem with the solutions and the means that, of what they know how to do. They wanted to take away my heart palpitations. They gave me the number one and number two thing that they thought would work. Meanwhile, at that time, I was going through sadness, depression. My parents were divorcing. I was dating a best friend that I was breaking up with. Mm. My mother and I moved out. I became her kind of caregiver, emotional support system. Like there was a lot that was happening. My body was shifting. I was on beta blockers. Like doctors never asked about that at all. And that's a whole big piece that was missing. And so, you know, when we think, and even from a standpoint of Ayurveda and understanding our chakra systems, like my heart was like, okay, too much. Like you need to stop. You need to deal with all of this pain or today the buzzword is inflammation. Inflammation comes in many shapes and forms. And we know now that inflammation, when we live in chronic inflammation, which can also come from negative personal thoughts and beliefs, it will manifest within the body right? Shortly after becoming a nutritionist, because I got so sick and tired of putting people onto diets, I became an NLP practitioner. Mm. So neuro-linguistic programming. So I could really help people understand like, you know, you know what to eat. You know what a healthy plate of food is versus something that isn't. The issue might be, and why aren't you choosing the healthy plate of food for yourself? Why do you feel it's so hard to choose that. So one is belief system, two is our food system, which we can get to soon, but really understanding that your physical well-being and the imbalances that you're suffering could come from your emotional pain, your trauma, your stress, and your anxiety needs to happen first. The first call that I do, the consultations that I do, if you were to work with me, Everyone, of course, Mona, tell me what to eat. What supplements do I need? Put me on the diet. I will start tomorrow. And that's what they want to know. That's what they want to know. Yep. And sure and behold, every single call, we dive deeper. Mm. I'm getting them in touch with a version of themselves that most people remember from childhood. Yeah. And I ask, think about a time in your life when you felt peace, when you felt happiness, when you felt joy, when you felt stillness, when you felt confident, maybe a moment where you like just heart open. I feel so good right now. For some of my clients, they can remember memories from their adulthood. Mm. For a lot of my clients, we are digging deeper, deeper, deeper to memories at three years old, four years old. Wow. And so when we can go back and like remember who you were at that point and how it felt to be uniquely you and so effing proud of that, 
let's awaken her or him and bring him back into the world, her back into mm-hmm. the world. Tears are flowing everywhere. There's a massive emotional release. For a lot of people, they would never even be open to considering that that would be part of their healing journey. And yet here we are starting with that as the primary source. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, just hearing you speak so deeply about this, I think that's the biggest roadblock for so many people thinking that, oh, okay, it's just a quick fix. Oh, we're getting into the holidays. Like, yeah, yeah, we're just going to, you know, get back on the treadmill again and calories in and calories out. What's so true that you're making me think of too is for many of us, something happens as children. So you and I, as children, there was a significant event that happened in our life where we were forced to become an adult. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this before. As a result of that happening and me witnessing violence in my home and not feeling safe and chronically just feeling like walking on eggshells and uh, there was suicide, there was just a lot of stuff. Mm. I don't have a lot of memories as a kid being super playful, mm-hmm. especially with my parents. It was very serious. Right. And I know obviously the same is for you. Same. And this same. is, you know, for a lot of people. And, you know, we want to just swallow that and move on. But I think that when we can reattune to like, okay, let's go back to that. Let's really process that and eliminate that from wherever it's being stored in my body so that I can move on once and for all and show up the way that I want to in this life. Mm. And and it sounds like you're helping people unlock that with yeah. a lot of the tools and the processes that you're taking them through because I've had NLP sessions. I'm also trained in NLP as well. And, you know, to have those sessions with somebody that's going to take you deeper yeah. in that safe place and safe space that's completely different from what a medical practitioner could do unless they're trained in these modalities. And that's the gift that you're giving people. That's why they're losing the weight. That's Absolutely. why they're losing the mental weight and that baggage Absolutely. So at the ashram, I dealt with a lot of that. Week three of a yoga teacher training course, and if you've been to yoga, you've seen this, people will get off their mat, walk away, have an emotional release just out of the blue, and it comes out of their body. So for us, it was week three in this yoga teacher training, and it was like constant. People were just like getting up, walking out of class, and just... But I would say the result of that was me just affirming how I wanted to live in this world. What do I really want my life to be like? Instead of chasing what society and family or what I thought I was supposed to be, what would it feel like to just show up as the version of me that wants to wake up happy every day? And in NLP, we call a lot of this future pacing, you know? My health today isn't guided by how I look necessarily or how I want to, a little bit by how I want to feel. I'm really driven by this idea of me in the future. Mm. I didn't really get active parents or grandparents. I want to be climbing a mountain with my grandchildren. Yeah. Right? You know, we're living later in our society. It doesn't mean that we're living healthier later. We're filling our nursing homes. We're on more prescription meds. There's more mental health issues. There's more obesity and diabetes. We're not living well later into our years. So I think that the more that we can talk about the vitality in the future, that that's a really big driving force when you we talk about this why behind getting healthy. Right. That's Maybe huge. break up with the why of, with the six pack. Mm-hmm. That can be a part of it. <laughs> that's like as a, a the result of it. But there's <laughs> you got something it. so much more yeah. as to let's connect back, which is what I hear you saying is connect back to that emotion, connect back to the future version of yourself. Yeah. And, you know, fun fact, like yesterday we were at Disneyland 
and taking the kids, you know, with the family and we're listening to the fun facts of the guides, you know, just at Disney. And we were one of the rides where it's like a, you know, one of, I think it's like, it's a small world, mm-hmm. the ride where you get on the boat, it's basically a boat and then there's water underneath, but you go into this like animatronics and you see kind of like, hey, it's a small world after all. And then, you know, they're singing. <laughs> it's not the point. But what they shared was they had to dig the ground deeper so that the boats can mm. sink deeper because in the 50s when the ride was built, people were not as heavy wow. as they are today. And you just saw that. And so they had to literally dig the whole ride a little bit deeper so that it wasn't going to be rubbing up against the track that it was on. And to just think that, you know, 60, 70 years later when this park was built, that they have to do that because we are fatter as a society. We're asking the wrong questions, right? Yeah. So this goes, it's two part, right? So one is our medical system that is getting bigger and richer on writing prescription drugs and these modern ideas of solutions for problems that need to be fixed in another way. And the second part is our food system right? Our food system, we can all agree that we've never lived at a point in time where there's been more education and awareness around health and wellness. It is a trillion dollar industry. We are sold to all the time. There are so many foods and products and drinks and protocols and fads and diets and everything that are promoted left, right, and center. However, diabetes is on the rise amongst adults and children. Mm. Obesity is on the rise amongst adults and children. Anxiety-related disorders and mental health issues are on the rise amongst adults and children, right? So the system itself is broken. And I think that the solution, one, is us going back to, again, what is it going to take for me to create my own healing protocol and stick with it? But two, being an active participant in how you are supporting the system. Mm-hmm. And I love that you talk about how to create an ashram in your own home. Yeah. Do you have tips for people? Like how can they create their own ashram and their rituals at home that can be self-supporting Yeah. as they're creating these opportunities for themselves to increase their well-being? So let's start with food. Okay. okay. So food is medicine. And in Ayurveda, the food that comes from the earth is given the nutrients from the soil, from the sun, from the air, from the elements, from nature itself to nourish our body. So the more that you can purchase food without ingredient labels, the more energy that food, because it's high vibration, will give your body. Most of us grab food in the morning and go, it's coffee, it's something that's processed, we're feeding our kids boxed dead food that is labeled healthy, gluten-free, might be paleo or keto, but it's still boxed dead food, right? Mm. So the more that you can support purchasing foods from farmers or without ingredient labels, I think that that's step number one. You should start looking at your kitchen like your healthcare, Mm. okay? And what's in your cabinets is your medicine, So that is the first round food. Um, In terms of the environment itself, when you go to the ashram, the environment is pleasing. There's a lot of greenery. There might be an ocean, there might be a lake, trees, lots of plants, lots of beautiful colors. So maybe you're sitting in your home right now, look around. Does what you're looking at soothe you and bring happiness and joy and peace? Or does it stress you out? 
cause you frustration, cause you irritability or sadness, whatever it is, right? Clean up shop. My dad growing up would always say a cluttered house is a cluttered mind, right? Clear it out. And then think about the sounds. You know, we digest so much more than what we eat. We digest what we watch, what we smell, what we eat, what we listen to, and what we feel. So think about all of the products that you're using. If you don't know what an ingredient is, whether that's on a food label, um, an ingredient label on your skincare, your cosmetics, your clothing, your cleaning products, your body won't know what that is either. Chances are it's a chemical that will cause some degree of inflammation over time. It's going to be considered a toxic ingredient. Mm -hmm. We're living in a world where our toxic burden is too high because of the food that we're eating, our environment and pollution, all the things that we're exposed to from the chemical industry. So just clear up your medicine cabinet, your skincare, all of your personal care products especially, and maybe have music running in the background. Mm. What soothes your senses? Mm. For me, we often have Kirtan playing in the background. Uh, amazing. We'll play Christmas carols in the middle of summer because it makes people <laughs> happy, right? We'll play sometimes classical music for the kids, but like have something on in the background that really sets the tone, essential oils, aromatherapy, stuff like that. And I highly recommend having a spiritual center. Coming from an Indian background, we often have little altars within our home. And my kids know that my altar is my altar, not theirs. It's mommy's. Mm -hmm. And it's a place where I start my day. I start with an intention. I might burn some Palo Santo or some sage. I'll have a deity up there. I will have an intention setting book where if it's just a minute a day, it's me declaring my intention at my spiritual center so that whenever I look at that spiritual area, it's my altar. So important. And it's a grounding peace, especially working from home, if you work from home, something that grounds you throughout the day when life gets really busy and stressful. Oh, these are such incredible gems, such incredible gems. And I feel like if you need to go ahead and replay this episode, because this is one that has so many incredible ways that you could just start to do mm -hmm. this, you know, even in tiny amounts in your day, in your week, and or you can take notes and, and just start doing a whole, you know, rehaul in your life. I think that's so brilliant. And as we transition into our final segment, our little lightning round, what does it mean to be brave at this season and stage of your life? Oh, yeah. Uh, being brave is trusting your intuition ultimately remembering who you really are, having the courage to go out there and practice why you're here. For me, being brave for the first time was just like branching out, okay, trusting my own inner voice and my spirit. And with my clients, it's teaching them how to do the exact same thing. And yeah, if I say, remember who you are, remember who you are, a lot of people aren't in touch with that. But if I were to, again, go back to that moment of stillness when you feel your most happiness, how would you describe yourself? Mm. It's being brave, honoring that version of yourself every day. And one word that describes a season of life. <laughs> evolution. Mm. Yeah, evolution. I think I'm going through another rising of deciding who I want to be in this world and what really matters to me. I took an extended break from social media to pull back from a lot of the noise to regroup with my spirit and decide how I want to show up in this world. How can I be a greater servant leader? And with that comes a lot of personal work and, and growth. But being brave is honestly just the willingness to do the work instead of wishing it was easier. Yeah. And I think that's such an amazing tone to kind of end this conversation because 
many times in order to up-level or elevate our lives to that next chapter. Sometimes we have to pull Mm -hmm. back. Absolutely. And sometimes we have to say no or close some doors. Mm -hmm. And for you, there's so many doors that are opening. So congratulations. You were just on the Today Show. (laughs) Thank you. That was amazing. Jicama is now in stores everywhere. If you're in Southern California, right? Yes, if you're in Southern California. So we're actually, we're at Air One stores here. We just got into Mother's Market. We are online everywhere, going into a few more retailers as we speak. But yeah, jicama is a brand that came to me through using food as medicine. Jicama was a root vegetable that was on my client's meal plans as a perfect swap for crackers and cookies and chips. And it's a superfood because I've heard you talk about that. Yeah, so people often go to supplements. But if you use food as your supplement, you can use jicama as a source of prebiotic fiber, prebiotic feeds the good bacteria in your gut. When you do that, you optimize your energy, your digestion, your gut-brain axis. And so we just happened to turn it into three delicious beverages, but we have a lot more products coming in the pipeline, which I'm so excited about because I wanted to create a functional product that didn't sacrifice taste or fun. And you do this so well. I just, I mean... I get so inspired with the meals that you cook with the kids because I'm like, oh, Mona's <laughs> making it. Okay, that's great. That's mama approved. That's Mona approved. Great. We're doing it at home. And I feel like jicama has been, you know, the fan favorite at all of our events. So Amazing. we'll link in the show notes where people can get jicama. Awesome. And I know that the lingering question that everybody has in their heads is, are you taking one-on-one clients and where to actually find you? Yeah, so definitely find me on Instagram at Mona Sharma. I'm most active there. I love building the sense of community. I love sharing authentically there. I will never post or share about something that I'm not using or loving. Or through my website, monasharma.com. Yes, I'm actively taking on clients who are really committed to doing the deeper spiritual work for sure. Yeah. Oh, so if you're ready, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go to peel back the onion and the layer. Yeah, and I no think, pressure. <laughs> well, and I think you're the perfect person to take that walk with people. Thank and you. I hope that everyone got a sense of that. You're such a joy. And I'm so honored to call you one of my besties and just the season of life that we're in. And everyone go follow Mona Sharma and get Thanks some jicama. So. And until next time Thank on The Brave that. Table. Welcome back, loves. Ugh, don't you just love Mona's calming energy? I feel like I can just bottle her up and take her everywhere when I'm feeling so stressed and so anxious. I mean, it's no wonder she's been able to work with so many high profile people and she is the go-to person that is not just talking about well-being, but also in every aspect and facet of life. If you want to know more about Mona and get access to not just jicama, but also see some of her latest recipes and what she does with her children, you can go ahead and follow her on Mona Sharma. That is on Instagram. That's M-O-N-A-S-H-A-R-M-A, as well as you can hit her up on monasharma.com. She is taking, as she says, one-on-one clients. And if you are ready to dive in that deep healing journey towards optimal health, and I love that so much. And she is coming out with a whole bunch of things. So definitely hit her up at monasharma.com and stay tuned for some of the other incredible wellness platforms that she is going to be sharing with us soon. And for those of you who are like, what is jicama? And I want to learn more about this 
powerful superfood drink. Now, if you are in Southern California, you can get it at Erewhon and in all of the stores out here, as well as you can go to jicama.com. That's X. I-C-A-M-A, X-I-C-A-M-A. And actually, I will link it in the show notes so that it'll be easy for you to go ahead and grab it there. And loves, this was an incredible power-packed episode. If this has resonated with you in some way, shape, or form, if you want to share this with family, friends going through tough times, or maybe have had differences in health, or perhaps maybe it's been a constant journey and a constant battle. We see you, I hear you, I feel you, I know exactly what that could feel like, where it could feel really overwhelming and really hopeless and helpless. And I want you to know that you've come to the right place and you can definitely share this episode with that person, be that confidant, that advocate for them, that there can be a different way. And you've already heard a lot of the ways here. So don't forget to be just a little bit more brave in your actions and your conversations and your relationships. And I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.